everyone, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we've got a treat today for this amazing month of the year. Uh, I was going back and forth trying to figure out what to discuss for comics for this month, and I had been planning to do this series that was on sale that I purchased called Mystic Arcana, which uh, I hadn't read in a really long time. I used to have the physical version of it. Uh, But then something magical happened. And for those of you that know about this, uh, smile and rejoice. For those of you that don't know about this, hold your breath and then smile and rejoice because Marvel has just changed the rules for Marvel Unlimited. Uh, from in the past, any comic book that comes out in stores as a physical comic issue Six months later, it comes out on Marvel Unlimited. We've talked about this before in the past. This used to be a big part part of the podcast was me reviewing all of the new issues uh, coming out, which ended up uh, being a lot. So instead, I've been doing something a little different. So the great news is Marvel just changed it to every three months or it's a rolling three-month calendar instead of six months. So when a, when a comic book comes out in stores, three months later, it's coming out on Marvel Unlimited. And honestly, I don't know what more you would need to uh, start subscribing to Marvel Unlimited with that kind of news. Uh, when you think about it, I'm almost on the verge of being three months behind and I buy my comics. And I, I say that because I pre-order my comics in advance. And so they get shipped to me monthly. So sometimes if a comic comes out at the beginning of the month, I'm not going to even be able to read it until the beginning or middle of the following month after the entire shipment has been sent to me. And I I don't mind. I like reading bulk comics. Uh, But the other thing that I've been doing recently, like I just alluded to, is that instead of reading one issue at a time, and I have been doing that for certain series like Immortal Hulk on Marvel Unlimited, what I've been doing instead is I've just been waiting until the arc finishes. So I've been waiting five months, six months for all six issues to come out on Marvel Unlimited because I've realized that I do not like cliffhangers (laughs) and I do not like getting to the end of that issue and wishing the next issue was there. So I've been practicing my patience. I've been doing that with my physical uh, copies as well. So for example, I have the first two issues of uh, Batman Three Jokers, and I have not read them yet. I'm waiting for that final third issue so that I can read all three of them in a row, which uh, I, it drives me crazy, but I it pays off because then when I do get to read them all at once, it honestly makes the story so much better because I'm not struggling to remember, even though there is that sort of uh, recap at the beginning. And so for that reason... Three months from the point of it coming out is just phenomenal. And for those of you wondering why they would do something like this, uh, there's multiple reasons. And one of them is because they're they're trying to stay competitive. DC Universe has their sort of unlimited version of things that's cheaper than Marvel Unlimited. But the biggest point of this that I, I think some people have mentioned, but I've been really pushing, is COVID and the coronavirus. That's the reason they did this. So for about three months, there were no comic books coming out. 
And so I was still reading off of Marvel Unlimited and thinking to myself, well, how are they going to pull this off once co- once they get back into a regular shipping schedule? Is there going to be just a three-month gap? And so they answered my question in the best way possible by just reducing the time by three months. So for those of you trying to save some money, buy a full year of Marvel Unlimited or just pay the $9.99 a month. Uh, it's certainly cheaper to buy it at a year for $69.99. Uh, But you're literally getting the comics three months after they come on the stands. Which, for example, think of it this way. You're wanting to read the new Black Widow before Black Widow comes out. Well, the first Black Widow issue already came out. And I think it just recently came out. So by the time Black Widow comes to theaters next year, uh, the entire first arc of that story will be on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, For Eternals, the first issue of Eternals comes out in January. So three months from that is going to be March or April and uh, Eternals doesn't come out till November, so you'll be able to read them for free on Marvel Unlimited as opposed to having to buy a physical copy, and I'll still be buying physical copies of certain series. Uh, I, I'm just in love with Venom, uh, with Thor, uh, basically anything that Donny Cates does, and, and speaking of which, that is leading us directly into what we are going to be talking about this month, which is all things Ravencroft. So, uh, as I've stated, I've made no secret that um, Donnie Cates is one of my kings. He is amazing, uh, phenomenal writer, and all of the artists that work with him are amazing as well. And he told a really awesome story last year, and he's been telling an amazing story in his Venom book. Uh, but he did something called Absolute Carnage which was a story about Carnage trying to regain power, Cletus Cassidy, in order to summon Null, uh, the god of the symbiotes. And so uh, I talked about that in prior reviews on the podcast. I loved it. Uh, I did think that it was a little contrived only in the idea that at the end of this massive uh, series or event, I guess you could call it, event comic, uh, there was really no resolution in regards to... Um, you know, there, there wasn't an end. It was just more of a, hey, actually, this entire series was just build up for another series. And for some people, that's great. And honestly, I'm in that group because the first thing I thought of was, holy cow, it's not done yet. But there was still a part of me that was like, but it's not done yet. Like, I'm, I'm just waiting for that event series that you can read. And when you're done, you're done. You're not, you know, waiting to build on something else. And again, that's comics. They have to do that. So we have to love it. But uh, it was a small pet peeve. But what was more interesting was after Absolute Carnage came out, there was an announcement that Frank Thierry was going to be doing a series called Ruins of Ravencroft that would then build into a Ravencroft series. And I love Ravencroft. I loved that uh, it was used in the Absolute Carnage storyline. I loved the buildup with it in uh, Web of Venom, Cult of Carnage, Web of Venom, Carnage Born, All of those are highly recommended reads and are all on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, But when this was announced by Frank Thierry and uh, art by Angel... I have to pull that back up, but uh, Angel Unzueta, uh, whom I have not seen the work done before, but now I'm glad I have, uh, really well drawn and colored, both that and the flashbacks that are done by multiple artists. But uh, I thought to myself, this is a perfect one for me to do on Marvel Unlimited because, again, it's a mini series. Uh, it's not some ongoing comic. It was going to just be a one and done. Plus, I can always count on Frank Thierry to give me an entertaining story. It's not 
often that his stories are of the same not necessarily caliber but say you've you, there's certain writers out there like brian michael bendis and jason aaron donny cates those uh, frank Thierry. i don't think even puts himself in that same realm as them and i don't think he cares and I, i've seen him do interviews he is such a cool guy he reminds me of a like an italian gangster and i i think that kind of guides his writing in a sense because he has a very distinct style where he he just he writes really cool characters and he does really cool storylines and and the reason I'm saying this about him being not um, of, of the same caliber as these other writers is because he's honestly really underrated. I feel like Marvel pulls him in for like, hey Frank, we've got this idea and uh, we want you to run with it and he's like, hell yeah, I'll do it. Like he did some really cool stuff with uh, during Absolute Carnage. I think he did like a Lethal Protector storyline. Um, he he usually writes side stories during main event series uh, or or little spinoffs like this, uh, which was a five issue series. And so I said, okay, I'll I'll wait for Marvel Unlimited. But I was wondering, I said, okay, am I gonna be? Is this gonna be ready by Halloween? Will I be able to read this entire thing in October? Because the last issue, the last issue of Ravencroft came out in September. And so again, Marvel has been really, really treating us right as fans. And to that, I, I tip my hat to them. I tip my cowl because uh, they could easily have not done any of this and I would still be paying for Marvel Unlimited. But they are delivering above and beyond for the customer. And to that, I say thank you so much. And so with that said, we are going to be talking today about the entirety of that Ravencroft storyline. So that encompasses the following in order. Uh, it's three one-shots that are Ruins of Ravencroft. So you can find that by searching Ruins. Uh, they should all three be there. It goes in order. Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage. Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth. And then Ruins of Ravencroft Dracula. And then there is a five-issue miniseries just titled Ravencroft. And that is, again, issues one through five. And again, that fifth issue came out September 9th, and it is on Marvel Unlimited. So again, make sure you thank Marvel. Make sure you, uh, I mean, technically you don't have to do any of that. Just make sure you read it, because this story was really cool. I was right. It was just the thing I needed for this Halloween season. So what I think my favorite thing about this, and again, we will be diving into spoilers for this, so feel free to pause this, come back, and or again, maybe even just listen to this and get excited for it, because uh, he's not re reinventing the, re the wheel in any sort of, you know, big sort of revelation, I guess you could say, other than he is rewriting a lot of Marvel history in here in a very cool way. Uh, and all of that tip uh, actually happens in those Ruins of Ravencroft, specifically in Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage. Actually, all three of them, and so we'll, we'll dive into them right now. So uh, Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage is uh, takes place during the uh, beginnings of America, which is actually really cool. So it uh, takes place in like the 1600s and actually starts in, in maybe the 1400s. But it just talks about the beginning settlers in America. And I guess, the, so there's two things going on in these stories. There's, there's a present day, and then there's flashbacks. And so the entire through line of the present day in both Ruins of Ravencroft and Ravencroft is that 
John Jameson, uh, the Man Wolf, and Misty Knight, uh, along with Kingpin, and eventually Mr. Fantastic, are all overseeing the rebuild of Ravencroft. So again, after the events of Absolute Carnage, that entire building was destroyed, and so they're rebuilding it. They said, you know, we need to have a place where people can go. Obviously, uh, Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, has some things that he's working with in the shadows, and so there's other reasons why he wants this place to be rebuilt. Uh, but then in the past, we're learning a little bit of the behind of Ravencroft, of why uh, the history of Ravencroft and how deeply entrenched it's in the Marvel Universe. And it's awesome because it ties into so many creepy things that have taken place over the history. And again, a lot of rewrites that I think are fascinating. So again, it starts in the early 1400s in New York. And uh, there's Native Americans that are killing uh, animals in that patch of field where they say no plants grew uh, because it was cursed. But then we start getting the first instances of Null, the the god of the symbiotes, which again is fascinating. So this came out in January of, of this year, and we're working up to the King in Black storyline that actually comes out at the end of this year. Uh, I believe it comes out in December, which again now for Marvel Unlimited means it's going to come out in February, March-ish, just in time for the summer, which is awesome. But uh, Null is coming, and that's kind of what came at the end of Absolute Carnage. Null is on his way to Earth. He's going to reclaim all the symbiotes and essentially destroy all of life. It's a huge, huge task for everyone to deal with that I'm sure is going to make for a very epic story. Uh, But we're getting that these seeds have been planted since the beginning of America, that uh, people were worshipping Null, these native tribes, or the ones looking at these ruins that have the spiral on them with skulls and they are freaking out because they weren't the ones putting them there so who who put that there and then from there obviously people came to discover america uh quote unquote discover america and found some very messed up and creepy things in regards to null and all of a sudden of course you know settlements were built there cities were built there and then we get the story of two settlers Cortland and molly and we find out that they eventually are, and, and, and you don't know this immediately, but you learn it, Cortland Cassidy, the ancient ancestor of Cletus Cassidy, who actually ends up going crazy and becoming the first patient of Ravencroft because they he goes crazy, he becomes the first mass murderer, just like uh, Carnage was. And uh, they lock him up in like a tiny box on the grounds of where Ravencroft would be built. So it's like, oh, the first one ever. So cool. But not only that, he discovers just all of these bones in this cave and all these old cave paintings of Null, which is, again, just the we love lore. We love our lore. And especially when that lore uh, comes around something as cool as Null. And so to see there be that such a tie to Cletus Cassidy that his ancestor would be the first person possessed was so cool. But then guess who Molly is? His uh, his wife is uh, Molly Ravencroft. <laughs> and so she is the one who sort of founded Ravencroft at that point. Or I guess it's her ancestor uh, in the future founds Ravencroft because of her. So just 
it, just so cool to see that history intertwined the way that it was. And, uh, and that's the, the, the first one. So again, we start realizing and finding out that there's a journal and it's the journal of Jonas Ravencroft, who was kind of around during the early 1900s. And, uh, again, we've got really cool to see such a smorgasbord, or I guess you could say such a hodgepodge of, uh, characters in here where you've got the Kingpin, Misty Knight, but then you also have, uh, Mr. Fantastic, which was really cool and unexpected. I thought it was awesome. Uh, but then we, we start really digging into the lore in this next issue, which is, uh, the Sabretooth issue, Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth. And we, they, uh, in, in the present day, they find this passageway in Ravencroft. So they first find the journal. And so we're starting to get bits and pieces of the past there. But then they find the secret entryway into the basement and they find a uh, kind of a, a door that is, that is blocked off. It won't open. And above it is says the unwanted. And so even Fisk, a kingpin's like, I don't think we need to go in here. But Mr. Fantastic was like, hey, you know, I have my wild hands. Like, I can easily make this door open, and he does. And so they find this wild just house of horrors in there that is uh, all these experiments that are being done. And we just see just panel after panel of uh, kind of Easter eggs and call-outs that is just the coolest thing in the world. We see... Uh, a little bit about Frankenstein. There's a stuffed flurkin in the room. Uh, there's stuff about Fin Fang Foom. Uh, we've got kind of uh, heads in jars, heads with moloids and um, scrolls, which kind of shows that the scrolls visited the Earth way before Fantastic Four saw them. And uh, they show a Wendigo. They show uh, like little vials of zombies and Kree and Asgardians. And then there's a disembodied arm in the room that we don't really know what it is until obviously later on in the issue. Um, but then it goes into the past. And so while they're, oh, and at the same time too, uh, well, I guess they haven't done that yet. Never mind. I'm, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it about another person that gets recruited here. But so then we're back in the past, and now it's uh, during the Revolutionary War, and Frank Thierry actually introduces now another Captain America who uh, was around, in, and this is 1783. Very cool. He's got a cool-looking hat. He's got a little Bucky that, or does he have a Bucky? I don't think he has a Bucky. It's just him. But he's got a cool hat, little cape. He's got a cool-looking shield. And, uh, but then it just talks about all again, oh my goodness. And it goes date by date. You got in 1804 stories about Shuma Gorath, which is from HP uh, Lovecraft. And then in 1820, the rise of a spirit of vengeance. So this is a ghost rider that looks like the headless horseman. And then we've got in 1862, they talk about attacks from within, which is uh, kind of an invasion by Tyrannus and the Tyrannoids. Uh, and then also kind of a War of the Worlds type uh, attack by Skrulls in 1891 that kind of show them uh, being Teddy Roosevelt, which is frightening because I love Teddy Roosevelt. And then uh, just a bunch of other crazy call-outs. Uh, just one of those things. kind of, And it reminded me a lot of uh, Haunting of Hill House, which uh, my wife and I just finished and was one of the best shows I've ever seen ever. Uh, but just the fact that there were so many terrible things that happened at Ravencroft and on the Ravencroft grounds throughout history that have truly made this place so haunted. Uh, in 1909, we get somebody who's claiming to be the Black Knight. 
and uh, they think he's crazy, but is he? And then we realize that one of the like head warden at the place is Nathaniel Essex. And so he got his start at Ravencroft, and eventually he moved to Germany. But guess who one of his staff is? Victor, a.k.a. Sabretooth. And so it turns out that missing arm that we see in the future is actually Wolverine's arm, and he currently is a patient there at Ravencroft. He's had a lobotomy and his arm removed. Obviously, they're experimenting on him. But then what was even crazier is as as uh, there's a, a doctor there who, uh, and I, I don't, I, I was trying to think, look at her name, and I think we kind of find out after she has a fight, uh, Dr. Claudia Russell, and I don't know exactly who that is, but she's a werewolf, and so she fights Sabretooth, it's a great, great fight, and uh, by the end of this issue, though, again, we're, she ends up getting captured by Sabretooth, he, she doesn't win, um, but then by the end of this issue, we find out who the unwanted are, and they are essentially a bunch of vampires, ghouls, goblins that have been experimented on in Ravencroft. And uh, that is, they're the secret of Ravencroft at this point, which is, again, like I said, that part of it is not really rewriting any history in that regard, but it's still really cool that there's just this underbelly that, uh, oh, and there's even some stuff, and I wonder if this, I wonder if we talk about this in this issue. I think they do, but uh, Loki was, is in it, as are some other really weird uh, characters. But so we're going to dive into Ruins of Ravencroft Dracula now, which honestly in my opinion, was the weakest of all of these only because I didn't think that it uh, kind of, I guess, I don't know, furthered much, but we'll see as I'm kind of buzzing through it here again. But we, we now they've got a whole team that they've brought to Ravencroft. So it's Mr. Fantastic, Man Wolf, Misty Knight, uh, but then they brought Falcon, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And so this story about Dracula is because Bucky then shows up, Winter Soldier, and he's there and he's like, I remember this place. He's like, because I was there, and this was back in like the 1930s or something like that. Okay, yeah, this is in this one. So talking about someone named the Master of the World who uh, is from uh, Alpha Flight, I guess, uh, who was at was there as well, and then some adamantium-laced supervillain named Cyber, and then this really creepy skinwalker in 1932, but then Loki shows up. And he obviously escapes, and it's a quick bit, but again, it's just so crazy to see how many people came through the halls of Ravencroft. And from there, though, we realized that Dracula was kind of involved in Ravencroft as well with these experiments, and that he was trying to cure... Uh, not cure being a vampire, but cure the negative side effects of being a vampire. And so Captain America shows up on a hunch. I guess he, he got some intel. And so they fight... And uh, it's a pretty uh, interesting fight, but we find out they're also trying to save their friend Bud. And Bud ended up getting experimented on, and he's this grotesque vampire now. And uh, so they kind of have to flee the scene. Uh, Jonas, I believe, Jonas Ravencroft kills himself in this at the end. He's like, I can't believe everything that's been going on here, but I'm finally making a choice to leave in a sense. And so he does, again, just, just the, a history of violence and death at this Ravencroft facility. 
And so the end of this issue is back in the present. A bunch of villains are being taken to Ravencroft, and we find out that Norman Osborn is going to be working at Ravencroft as well. And that's where we leave off on the ruins of Ravencroft. So just like I said, for those of us who are fans of the lore, was just so awesome to see all of these bits and pieces, and again, for me being like, okay, I'm going to wait on this one uh, for Marvel Unlimited, 100% worth the wait. Honestly, I, I would have just, and I was so tempted to buy these, but the reason I didn't was because they had a trade paperback of The Ruins and a trade paperback of Ravencroft. Why not just have it as all as one? It would have made so much more sense. Uh, but we're here now and we're reading it. So now Ravencroft, again, issues one through five, we get uh, some catch-up, uh, kind of explaining what's going going on but again the gist of this now that's been set up with Ravencroft is that there are creatures underneath the floor uh, in these unknown caverns underneath Ravencroft these unwanted that uh, at the same time we have all these villains now in Ravencroft trying to get rehabilitated uh, but it's really hard to do that when you've got Norman Osborn and a bunch of other crazies like the Kingpin around here trying to justify why they're running this place and so uh, we find out, and one of the big kind of baddies in here is Hyde, who actually is pretty cool. He's He acts really tough, but Misty Knight knocks him out in one punch, which was great to see. And, uh, and so they're just kind of trying to discover the place, but at the same time, the unwanted are like, we're done here. Like we when Ravencroft was destroyed in absolute carnage, that's what we wanted. Like they, they aren't exactly evil. They're more of just vengeful and they, they hate the fact that they were experimented on and they just want to see Ravencroft be destroyed. And so that's kind of their plan going forward. But, uh, from there we start finding out that some of the other staff at Ravencroft are going to be Taskmaster, Scorpion, Moonstone, and Hobgoblin. And, you know, the whole idea there being like, now this whole entire uh, lunatic asylum is being run by lunatics, uh, which y you start thinking like, okay, there's there's got to be something there. And eventually there is. And so we start finding deeper into the story that um, uh, in the past, Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, brought his dead bodies or people that he had beat up or needed to get rid of to Ravencroft. Uh, for more experiments. So a lot of those unwanted are people that Kingpin himself brought there. And uh, he's kind of trying to keep this all under wraps and he thinks about um, building, you know, everything over it to cover cover up what he's done. But you can't keep these secrets closed for long. No one can. And so that's kind of the idea. And at the same time, John Jameson, who again is kind of the story is stories kind of around him, Misty and Kingpin. But his problem is that after the events of Absolute Carnage, he can't by choice turn into the Man Wolf anymore. At least he thinks so. He's kind of having performance anxiety. Excuse me, and uh, and so he's struggling with that. He gets beat up a couple of times, uh, but we start finding out by the end of this issue. And again, this is something that didn't didn't do much for me, but maybe for a long time Ravencroft reader, uh, it would be exciting. But Doctor Kafka, uh, Ashley Kafka, comes back to the to Ravencroft, and I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Well, you can't be here. You're dead." And I remembered then that she died in, and I think they kind of mention it maybe in the third issue, and I'm, I just pulled it up here, but I could have sworn, I'm, I'm pretty sure she dies 
during one of the Web of Venom series or during Absolute Carnage. And so now she's back, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, where, where is this coming from? We have no idea. But so we'll see how that plays out. And so at the same time, we find out that there's this room in Ravencroft, uh, 616, which is obviously, you know, meant for the, the bit of the 616 universe. There's someone in there. We don't know who it is yet, but we just now find out at the beginning of this third issue, it's Punisher. So he somehow is in Ravencroft. I don't know why he would have even let himself get captured. But again, it seems like Kingpin's got a plan, some sort of plan. Uh, But we find out, he kind of says, actually, I'm not going to fight. He gets surrounded. Um, But they start realizing that these unwanted are, are starting to rise up. And at the same time, Hyde is given a... Uh, a screwdriver someone drops it into a cell you don't see who but they basically say kill jameson and so Hyde is now set out to do just that Uh, we start trying to figure out what's going on with kafka and uh we still don't know she doesn't really remember what happened to herself and norman osborne's trying to make sense of all this as well uh and he's kind of one of the normal voices in this which is really crazy but then Hyde shows up to kill Jameson and a huge fight breaks out uh a a different character gets hit uh Demolition Man Dennis Dunphy I don't not familiar with that character but he gets stabbed with this uh with this screwdriver instead and at that point Kingpin and those four staff members, all in costume now, which is cool, along with a bunch of SWAT members, uh, Hobgoblin, Taskmaster, those guys. Um, they And also what's cool is Scorpion is in uh, Alistar Smythe's chair, kind of like Xavier's chair. And I was thinking, like, oh, that's really cool. But then he made a call out to it. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So he was given this chair. Kind of cool, though, because if you guys remember from the 90s Spider-Man show, there's that episode where Jameson is working with Smythe, but I think also trying to work with Scorpion at the same time. So that was cool. But they basically somehow all end up in the basement, and they're talking with the unwanted, including that guy Bud, who was Captain America's friend back in the day, who's like the grotesque vampire. He's the king. And so they're all talking, and all of a sudden, a huge fight breaks out. And so now that's that's the end. We're at this spot now where... Um, the unwanted have escaped they're going to take over and everyone's fighting and so it's kind of cool because they're all these just grotesque vampires and they're they all want to die like they want to just die in this explosion and bury ravencroft so i'm sure these villains are loving the fact that they can just kill all of these people without remorse and without getting arrested so in the fourth issue we uh, kind of learn a little bit more about the lore about un- the unwanted and uh, at the same time though everyone is basically in the asylum trying to fight and the main guy bud uh and it's so funny that his name is bud because he's just this wild he almost is a he's a mix between like a goblin vampire and jabba the hut and you'll know exactly what i mean when you see it but now he's got he's got jameson tied up in his office and he's got a self-destruct on a laptop for ravencroft set to self-destruct in two hours and he's like, you, you're crazy, man. And uh, they're like, no, we're not. Like, we're tired of everything that's been happening here. And so, again, at the end of the day, like, a logical person would be like, you know what? Based on everything that I've read, based on all this lore, uh, I kind of side with Bud here. I think this place needs to blow up. Uh, but obviously, you know, that's not what ends up happening. And so uh, we find out that um, in this instance, it looks like Norman Osborn betrays Misty. But in fact, he's kind of playing into his own schemes, saves her, 
and she's able to race down into the basement into the sewers and is saved by punisher and both of them just start just wrecking shop with uh, the bad guys and we find out too that after the events of absolute carnage misty's um, uh, metal arm gets an upgrade and so we actually see her use it as uh, kind of like iron fist where it's glowing but then also it has claws like wolverine which is really cool and so we get some great fighting scenes with them and uh, at the same time again you know countdown is going there's only about an hour and a half left on the uh, the activation of the self-destruct all these people get brought in uh, or I guess uh, demolition man and then uh, Kafka are brought in to Jameson and and essentially the reason Jameson hasn't been killed yet is because Bud is like he wants the journal of Jonas Ravencroft and uh john is like i don't know where it is like i had it in my office and it was gone and he's like you're lying i don't believe you and so one way or another though again the fight is just keeps getting bigger and bigger but then they all they beat them all and destroy them and uh osborne actually helps man wolf helps john jameson turn into man wolf which was cool i i liked that um, I thought that was a cool bit, and then he beats him. He's able to de- deactivate the self-destruct in record time. I bet you guys could guess. One minute and 12 seconds left on the clock right there at the end, and uh, which is cool. Again, fine, whatever. And so by the end of this, we find out in the aftermath of this, we find out that now John Jameson is going to be the new warden, uh, which makes sense. If I was Wilson Fisk, I would want nothing more to do with that place. It's too risky. But at the same time, Misty or uh, Norman Osborne actually was doing an inside job for some place called Junus, or it was Jonas. Or we'll get to it here in a second. But it turns out he is the person that stole the Ravencroft journal. He is the person that gave the uh, the screwdriver to hide and uh he basically put everything into motion he's the one that brought kafka back to life and so kafka is actually a clone from the uh from jackal so that's from like the spider-man series if you guys remember that in spider one of the spider-verse ones the more recent ones a clone was made of kafka so that's where that's pulled from so again hats off to thierry for uh pulling this sort of stuff out and uh, it looks like as well in this last bit too that Bud is not even dead. Uh, they're going to take him back for more experiments, which is, you know, obviously a fate worse than death. Uh, the place is called Janus. And so this is, again, I'm going to call out Marvel again. Marvel still has not revealed what Hammer stands for. If you remember back during the um, Siege and Secret Invasion, uh, Norman Osborn started Hammer and they said, oh, it's going to be a big reveal when we find out what Hammer is. We still have not found out what Hammer stands for. And now we have a new acronym, Janus, J-A-N-U-S. But it is made up of six people uh, around a table, kind of like the World Security Council in the Avengers movies, uh, made up of G.W. Bridge, Contessa, Valentina, Allegra, De Fontaine, James McDonald Hudson, Malcolm Colcord, Monica Rappuccini, for those of you who are fans of the Avengers game, and Madam Viper. Uh, but then at the very end of this, the, the, the best ending for this series is two guards walk down into the catacombs of uh, this place. They walk into the unwanted vault, and then one of the guards kills the other guard, 
takes his glove off. He's got a spiral on his hand. There's a, a faint spiral on the brick wall. He says, God is coming, and he puts his hand on the wall, and he said, and when our Lord Null arrives, we really would like you to be there to greet him. And it's a tomb inside this like this wall uh, that opened up. It's a tomb that says, here lies Cortland Cassidy. May Null have mercy on his soul. Oh, so again, like, did this story do a lot in terms of, of uh, you know, some big event? No, no, it was very self-contained. It's, it's at Ravencroft. But in terms of the lore building, holy crap, like all the cool things, just the panel alone of a headless horseman ghost rider. I'm like, give me a five-issue miniseries of that story. Give me a five-issue, give me an ongoing horror story. I, I, as I was reading this, I had a couple of ideas for Marvel, and hey, if Frank's the one doing this, great. If Donnie's doing this, great. Um, a ongoing series in the vein of Haunting of Hill House that's around Ravencroft. Uh, but that being an actual TV series, like a live action story of about this, I think would hit really well. People love their scary movies. They love their scary stories. Hill House and Bly Manor were incredibly successful. And um, this could be just like that. One. Two, give me a story that is just ancient Marvel Universe. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about the ancient in here of like the 1400s in America. I'm trying to see that creepy stuff, the vampires, the demons, uh, all of that. I just think any background with that in Marvel is so, so cool because Marvel, the Marvel Universe has done such a good job of being this place where there's limitless possibilities you know you've got the one above all the one below all uh you've got those entities like uh, lord order and master chaos and uh eternity the living tribunal these concepts that are just so out there and then now with null coming and, and absolute carnage there's just been this heavy focus on horror more so than the fantastic and i would just love a marvel horror series that dives into the Marvel Universe in ways we've never seen before. Uh, I would pay big money for that. It, I, I think it would be really great, especially if you could hit it and start it maybe in a, the Halloween season. Same thing with that too. My third call-out would be DC always does a $10 Halloween anthology book uh, every year in October. Marvel doesn't. I would really encourage Marvel to do so, and they could easily make it really scary. Uh, they've done it in the past. They've usually done tiny ones that are like $4.99, but I'm talking a big book, a real big one, a page turner, a real thick one. But um, with that said, uh, my thoughts again on this overall, I'd highly recommend checking this out. I think this was a really fun read, especially for the Halloween holidays. And it was easy to read too. I, I read that in like an hour, uh, maybe less. And that's because it was so engrossing. And Frank does such a good job of just tying together all of these little bits that you wouldn't think about, like the fact that there's a Headless Horseman Ghost Rider or that Cletus Cassidy's ancestor was also possessed by Null. And, uh, you know, that, that he was the first Carnage. And it wasn't like that just to me, that's the kind of retconning and continuity that I love seeing in my stories. And so if Marvel can pull off more of those in the future, sign me on and make mine Marvel. So with that said, 
that this is the October edition of the the Marvel or Marvel Comic Book Club, just the Comic Book Club uh, for comics and cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein. You can find me on Twitter at a robots wink or on Instagram at a robots wink. I'd love to talk with you all about movies, comics, or anything else. Uh, so with that said, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Thank you.